Welcome to We're Too Literary. I'm your host, Kenny. And I'm Jonathan. And this week, we're back to bring you a Daniel Radcliffe feature film, because we felt it would be pretty fun to do a Daniel Radcliffe movie right before his premiere of Weird. A movie I am quite looking forward to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a story about Weird Al Yankovic, which the man is a legend. He's the best parody writer for songs ever, in my opinion, and an absolute gem. I've seen him in concert. It was an exceptional experience. I'm jealous. I have not seen him in concert. That's definitely one I would enjoy going to. I'll even mention where. It was at the Oregon Zoo of all places. Yes. That's weird. That's they, weird. they host concerts there from time to time. And when I was, when I was near, I, I went and I was like, this is great. But I'm not here to tell you all about the Weird Al show. I'm sorry. We're here to talk about Guns Akimbo. And let me tell you what a movie. What a movie indeed. A lot of fun, but definitely out there, which is what Daniel Radcliffe seems to be on a roll with these just off the wall movies. Seriously, though, a lot of the movies that Daniel Radcliffe has done lately have been some of the most bizarre things. But I'm glad that he's having a good time. I swear. With Harry Potter, that basically set that man up to not have to worry about what roles he ever takes in the future, because it's not like he's ever going to need money ever again, really. (laughs) Anyway, with this bizarre role that he decided to take with Guns Akimbo, let me just give you the quick synopsis direct from Lionsgate. Miles' nerdy existence changes dramatically when the inadvertently gets caught up with Schism, an underground gang hosting real-life deathmatches that are broadcast online. Miles excels at running away from everything, but that won't help him outlast Nyx, a crazy psychopathic killer at the top of her game. Definitely a very succinct synopsis that lines up with what we watched. Now let me tell you what imdb slash prime video had for a synopsis i'll grant you with amazon owning imdb there's obvious reason these are the same but it says a guy relies on his newly acquired gladiator skills to save his ex-girlfriend from kidnappers i'll grant you a few words in that sentence are accurate yeah the very broad strokes of that works And I mean the broadest strokes possible. A guy save his ex-girlfriend from kidnappers. Yes. That's all accurate while telling you almost nothing about this film or the fact that the artwork for the film, the poster, shows Daniel Radcliffe's character in a very unique situation. You know, guns attached to his hands and a robe with some bear slippers and some actually i think he was just in his boxers at the time so that plus that synopsis tells you still nothing except two points he's a guy and he's trying to save his ex-girlfriend from kidnappers at least the Lionsgate one gave us a little bit more of an idea of what to expect with this movie not something I would, that i got last night correct and i would argue the Lionsgate one is actually more in line with the movie. I mean, yes, it becomes a plot point that Miles has to save his ex-girlfriend, but that's not to like 
what is it halfway through act two or act three is when that develops and it's not even the main point of the movie like it does add a major plot point toward the end but it's not even like the core of the movie at least the Lionsgate synopsis we got a full kind of expectation and I can appreciate that a little bit more so I'm just saying like we sat down to watch this. I remember reading the Prime Video synopsis and going, okay, this should get interesting. I don't know a whole lot, but the part that really irked me was the newly acquired gladiator skills. And we'll get into it here shortly when we discuss the overarching elements of the film. But at no point does he ever gain some gladiator skills of any kind that I can recall. He just ran and eventually figured out how to shoot a gun. With some help, mind you. He yes. figured it out on his own. No. <laughs> Which is like, where's this? When I think newly acquired gladiator skills, the reason I'm nitpicking on this so hard as we get into this is that to me suggests that suddenly you learn about some sort of locked up ability <laughs> of yourself that all of a sudden becomes unlocked when something triggers it. And yeah, no, that didn't happen at all. So let's jump right into it right yeah let's get after it do you want to say like off the bat like starting this movie heavily reminded me of one of the projects we worked on in the past a little bit yeah that that one project of ours where i think our main character's name was jacker right that's the one you're talking about thank you jacker yes yeah had a very dystopian feel to it and this element of how far would somebody be willing to take something right and this definitely has that element in the story as well a schism in the story is actually based on a music video correct on a on an artist called schism on Uh, a the artist's name is schism and i believe the video was extinct or exist experts could be experts yes experts okay Yeah, I do recall that. And it was interesting that the dubstep artist was kind of the inspiration for the name of the event that goes on during the movie. But the idea of Guns Akimbo is that Miles is living in a point in time where the social media of the internet has reached a point of also doing the thing that a lot of people I imagine are terrified of, including myself, this whole live streaming of events that can result in the death of others. And in this particular case, it's a literal death match kind of thing where they're pitting one person against another in combat and they're basically set up as hot targets anywhere. You know, they could be in I don't know. I'm guessing a little bit, but it sounded like toward the end, they kind of gave us this impression that things were starting to be a little bit more worldwide with it. And so I'm imagining like somebody in one state might get a contract essentially in another state for to track down somebody over there and they have a limited amount of time to get it done. So they run off and try to track down their target before time runs out and take them out. And that's the whole gist of schism is it's a form of entertainment unfortunately (laughs) right well it's a internet-based fight club to the death 
That was so much. That was a way better way to put that in just short. <laughs> what I do. So I'm here. <laughs> so yeah, an internet deathmatch, just awful, awful stuff. Right. And they're doing it more for clout and viewership than anything else. It's not like they're making money, or at least nothing was presented as anybody making any money off of this, except for maybe Schizo itself. It does make you wonder, though, where are they getting the funds to make all of it happen? That's not something that ever gets discussed during the movie either. Just as a point of reference, it is one of those details that it's like, yeah, leave it up to your imagination, I guess. Yeah, there's a few things that I'm like, don't think too deeply on it. I yeah. mean, the arsenal that Nix has is just ridiculous. Like, where does it all come from? Yeah, I knew you were going to bring up that one, too. And there's a few there's a few notes that I took that I'm like, we're probably going to have some discussion on whether or not those plot points are the kind that are necessary to just keep the story going. Right. Correct. So, I'm sure there's just things that's like the movie is about a guy with two guns like nailed to his hands or bolted to his hands bolted don't think life. about it too much yep and i mean that really is one of those situations where it's already absurd enough that you really shouldn't read too far into it otherwise it's gonna fall apart and you may not find yourself enjoying it very much because of that so in act one we're introduced to miles played by daniel radcliffe and he is the narrator in the beginning as well, getting ready to tell us about the worst day of his life. Okay. He's a game designer, right? At a software company. Yeah. Well, he works at a Zynga ripoff, essentially. <laughs> That's a really, really good point. It's basically like Zynga. That was Farmville and all those other ones. Yeah. And this is what was it? It was like not something. It and like it was a Nutbuster too. It was, the squirrel was the mascot. It Correct. was not subtle. They were may definitely contain traces of something. May, may contain, contain traces, traces fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was so a warning that said ever. Yeah. It was a warning that was basically saying, We're here to steal your money. And he even calls it out during the narration that the whole game's purpose is to essentially steal parents' credit cards. He's not happy with his job and he sits down at his computer and starts actually sifting through what looked like some content that was pretty vile in the sense that it made you feel like he was one of those moderators that goes through posts and reports them. And that's what he was doing was as he was reviewing this content for a moment, he's deleting or, or not deleting, but reporting and trying to help get that stuff off of the web. He seems like he's not really interested in it, even though it's showing up on his feed. He's doing something about it. And well, he gets off on like trying to troll hackers. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what gets him in trouble, right? Yes. Yes. Cause he's trying to troll skis. Yeah. So he goes home that night where after being ripped apart by his boss, who, is like this beefcake dude who is just your classic asshole character. Yeah, a giant dick. And he goes home, Miles does, and he's on his computer and he's starting to attack these trolls 
that we were talking about just throwing throwing his hands at the keyboard like he's a gladiator i guess <laughs> and ends up going after the wrong person when he attacks them with a bit of a bit of a hardcore keyboard moment so after getting torn apart by his boss he heads home for the night he's slamming a few beers back hops onto a schism forum and decides to start insulting the viewers who are enjoying all of this murder for entertainment and manages to insult the wrong person on the forum. And that's when shit hits the fan. The next message that Miles gets is a public IP address, and it's his. They've thrown it in. They've shown him that they are capable of handling technology to track, and that's when all of a sudden there's a knock on the door Miles goes to look through the people, see some real scary folk, and then they break down the door, kidnap him, and bolt some guns to his hands. Very tortury looking. Yeah. I'm not sure how his hands are really usable afterwards, but it's just gnarly. There's a massive bolt in the back of his hand. Every finger is bolted to the gun, so he can't remove any of them. And the worst part is he has a finite amount of ammunition. It's not as if the magazines of the guns are the only ammo he has. He's got some sort of going up kind of the underside of his arm a little bit to provide him with some additional ammunition. So he basically has about 50 rounds in both hands. And it's even got little counters on him. And that's something that they throw up throughout the movie that I thought was kind of neat was every time he took a shot, it gave us a countdown of how many bullets he had left, whether it was on his right or his left. And yeah, he wakes up in his apartment with these guns bolted down real good and really bloodily looks awful. And like Jonathan said, I don't know how he is still using his hands, propping himself up, doing anything that involves moving those muscles. I don't even, I don't know if I want to try and figure out if that actually would feasibly work. I don't, I can't imagine it would. It just, I mean, like the effort or not the effort, but the sheer fact of bolting your fingers down and all that, I feel like would they'd be, you'd be in so much pain, they'd be unusable. Like you'd just be screaming the entire time. Yeah, exactly. Like the guns while fastened to his hands. It's not like the screws are fully seated down to the skin, so there would be wiggle room. Anyways, you're probably cringing at the idea of this, like the pain of imagining what. So moving on, he gets a quick call from the runner of Schism, man who is known as Richter, and tells him that he has to kill the number one runner in schism right now known as Nix. And there she's the easily the craziest killer that we've seen so far. There was a short clip where we get to see her just mow down a bunch of people like it's no big deal at all. And now Richter demands that Miles take out Nix. And that means Nix is also tracking Miles. It's surprisingly easy to track anybody you want here yeah it seems like tracking is far more simple in this kind of future dystopian situation but they do it and so nix played by samara weaving 
she's she looks absolutely psychotic. Does. And I read some like little trivia that apparently she would stay in costume and go out for dinner like after filming and it was repeatedly like rejected from being served. Yeah, I had read something similar about her being refused service. And I was like, yeah, the way that you looked, I would be a little concerned about you coming into my establishment as well, especially if there was anything that was like still kind of weapony looking on you. If somebody rolls in wearing an RPG, it's okay to tell them to get lost. Right. But, you know, otherwise, maybe you're just being a little prejudiced. Another little bit that I also forgot to mention, too, is that we do get a little bit of an insight to Miles's history and kind of his current relationships and such. And so we meet his girlfriend, Nova, who it sounds like they're kind of on rocky water. There's some tension that you feel during their scene together and things feel like they're heading in a not great direction. But we come back to some narration from Miles saying that this part where he's now having to participate in schism, he's not actually telling us a story about how the guy becomes the hero and gets the girl. They give us that information right off the bat that is not your typical story and you shouldn't expect that by the end of it, it's going to be honky-dory. So, flashing back to Miles has got these guns, he's learning how to maneuver himself around, there's a really funny moment that I guess was also the key point for Daniel Radcliffe to take the role as Miles was when he got to the part of the script here where he's got the guns attached. He tries to go to the bathroom and he has to figure out how to take his pants a little down and sort out handling and not missing. Are you talking about the Alec object he handles? Yeah, with his guns. Yeah, because he can't use his hands. Yeah, that'd be a little terrifying. I feel like, okay, you know what? I'm going to get into this. Yeah, he's going to launch full in. Just he, going hard and fast. He was wearing a robe and boxers and bear shaped feet slippers. If you've ever I'm trying to think of a situation where this might have occurred, but I feel like I've been able to maneuver my feet in a way that allowed me to pull on my pants if I needed to. And I imagine if I had to, I could pull my pants down doing that exact sort of motion. So the fact that he didn't think to use his feet to help him out with that part. But I guess the problem would still be how do you get your pants back on with your gun hands, you know? Correct. I'd also like to see you demonstrate this feet maneuver. I don't think I've ever used my feet in such a fashion. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, not getting into that right, right now. I'm just saying, I think that he could use his feet if he were to just try. The whole point of our feet is that they're similar you're missing an opposable digit. I know, but you can still bend your toes. <laughs> Getting off Again, topic. We're going to need like a video demonstration of that. Not, not happening. No. Miles does his best and he manages to, to go to the bathroom, which after having just loads of beer the night before, the man was clearly dehydrated. Yes. That was some gnarly urine. So... A main point that I wanted to get into here, which is something that does kind of detract from the 
plot point being able to progress forward if it were to just be as simple as this but the one aspect of this movie that i really appreciated was daniel's dedication to making the viewer feel convinced that he was struggling with what he had ended up being forced into you definitely see the panic stricken behavior that he feels when he realizes his hands are bolted to guns he does seem like he should be in a lot more pain than he actually portrays but the emotional aspect is definitely there i feel like he just kind of took that and went this is horrifying and what do i do but the one thing that he doesn't do that i was like why not was he fidgets around for a bit trying to make his phone work with his gun hands and he's balancing the phone between the two and i'm just so worried the whole time that he's gonna accidentally pull the trigger and we're gonna hear some more pain scream and what have you but he never calls 911 first like he goes straight to i think he attempts to call nova and then suggests meeting in the park with her yeah so miles gives nova a call and I'm just lost on the fact that he doesn't call 911. But again, I can see how that could be a difficult way to write the story around. So they bypass that. Next thing, phone's being tracked. Nick shows up. She's ready to put a bullet in him. He's not ready to have it. He's like, I got to convince her not to shoot me. He's got to run away. A lot. And then, and then the running starts. That's literally where the running starts. He tries to convince Nix. Nix is like, I don't care about you, man. I don't have any reason to want to work with you. So let's get to let's get to doing something about this. But the one background piece that I noticed that for me just can't not mention it. It was a gem, the Doom 2016 poster on the wall with the Revenant. It was chef's kiss of a piece of background <laughs> yeah. decor. Just saying. Yeah. First of all, the other paraphernalia that pops up. Oh, yeah. It's great. There's even a point where they showcase the game a little bit on a arcade monitor as he ends up in what looks like a PC like gaming arcade. Cafe. There you go. That's probably better. Well, Nyx is armed to the teeth and she's coming after him he's running mostly he takes a few shots his hands are still very much in pain and so every shot he takes is excruciating and he decides to try and gun it for the door finds out he can't turns around and jumps out the window and very rapidly flies down a fire escape set of stairs looked like it was just Real painful to suddenly go down so quickly before he just begins running away from the problem at hand. So now we're out of the apartment. Miles is finally on the run, trying to get away from Nix before she shoots him dead. And he's out in public. And this is where the whole act takes a turn because now we're expecting people to notice and address the problem that we're about to see, which is a half-dressed man in a robe with bear slippers with two guns attached to his hand just running running out in the middle of the public and yeah, guess what and not thinking through things very well either no not thinking through things and guess what nobody really seems to notice or care 
for the most part, the public reaction, yes, in a couple of instances, people take notice and they freak out and they run away. But for the most part, there is just not a whole lot of reaction going on in a way that I would expect. You are out in a public place, big city, lots of people walking around and they see somebody with a gun. They're not just going to keep walking like it's no big deal. They're going to run and scream and tell other people to run, too. It's going to start a freaking riot. But no, it doesn't happen. In fact, when he finally manages to get far enough away from Nick's, the first thing he runs into is what he hopes is help. And that's a couple of cops. And the cops aren't really... They're doing exactly what you would expect in a circumstance like this, which is put the guns down. Oh, but I can't. They're kind of attached to me. Put them down. I can't put them down. Okay, I guess we're not going to listen. So that's the whole interaction there that eventually leads to him running away from the cops. So they start chasing him. And at this point, the whole absurdity of it all just becomes comedic. It becomes ridiculous and he ends up shooting the cop right he, he after a chase through some alleyways they lose one cop only for the other one to find them and yes he shoots them accidentally mind you in the shoulder and then he goes over to help him up real quick before having to run off again when nix shows up and for a moment i was genuinely concerned that she was just going to walk over and shoot the cop before moving on but she she let the cop live and continues to to pursue Miles when Miles ends up stumbling across Nova in the park and that's when Nova becomes his ex-girlfriend not because he has guns attached to his hands but because he gets in the car with his gun hands in his pockets where they're not visible looking just horrible and haggard because well he was kind of stuck up all night getting mutilated i forgot that wasn't the next morning that was the same night it just took a little while for them to show up but when they did show up they kidnapped him and did all the things and then the, he woke up with the problem correct yeah well they dragged him out of the apartment and then when he woke up in the morning his the guns were attached to his hands if you couldn't tell there's a theme here the theme is he's got guns attached to his hands for the whole movie. So he and Nova have a bit of dialogue. She essentially tells him that they're not working out anymore. And that gets solidified when he finally shows the the guns on his hands because he's trying to ask for help. But then she maces him, which that was unexpected for me. I wasn't expecting the mace, especially after their little don't be mad. You got to not freak out okay, I won't be mad or freak out, and then mace. <laughs> yeah, but he pulls out guns. Of course he's going to, or she's going to freak out about that. I mean, is nobody taking just a half a second to look and go, huh, I can't imagine that you would have taken the time to bolt those to your own hands, so yeah, care to tell me what's going on instead of going, <gasps> guns. Fair enough, but if anything more than that, you think you'd start by saying, hey, I have some guns attached to my hand. Please don't freak out before you just whip it out. Also a good point, because I'm pretty sure during the dialogue, they brought up schism and she's like, 
you're doing schism stuff? And he was like, no, not intentionally. My bad. I got ahead of myself there. So they drive off first as Nyx is showing up, at, which at this point, she shows up with an RPG, right? And What's... I think we both agreed that where is she getting the gun? That's a Later on, guns. Good uh, goddamn question. I'm lost on it, man. I don't know where you suddenly pull out an RPG, but she does and she thinks she's got a shot on him but ends up not being able to take the shot so she turns and shoots a drone out of the sky which is one of the drones that schism has following people around to film the action you know and so then miles shows nova the guns attached to his hands to which she reacts by macing him in the face he's out of the car at this point and she drives away and he starts to go through the whole emotion of it all because he feels alone, like nobody's there to help anymore. And that's when we meet one of the most exceptional characters of the whole movie, a vagrant known as Glenjamin. One way to definitely put it. <laughs> Listen, we get Reese Darby here, and he is a wonderful actor probably known mostly right now for his role in Our Flag Means Death. I personally watch a lot of Bob's Burgers. Great show. And at one point, he plays a foreign exchange student known as Duncan from Australia with this one point where he says a, a word that he says is the Australian equivalent of, I think, butt rubs? Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> butt rubs? No, I'm sorry. It was. The episode of Bob's Burgers where he's featured is an episode about speech and debate. And the term he says that they use for rebuttal in Australia is bottle rubbies. And hearing Reese Darby say it, it's just the best. If you've never seen the episode, go check it out. It's a great way to hear Reese Darby in an awesome voiceover. So back on track. We meet the vagrant, Glenjamin, and it's right as Miles is about to maybe off himself because he feels like everything is collapsing around him and he's got guns attached to his hands. So, and the best part was Glenjamin interrupts him in the middle of his almost attempted suicide there that he's like, hey, yeah. You're not doing that right. You want to make sure you actually do it in a way that's going to do the job on the first try. <laughs> and the whole interaction there is just exceptional because he's just such a genuine character. He seems like he's he's just there to help even if it's even if it's a grim way of doing so. And I feel like this is kind of where act 2 begins a little bit because Miles goes through the motions of feeling like he's about to end everything and not participate anymore. But then Glenjamin gives him new hope, helps him out, clothes him, some pants on him, some shoes, and even offers him what I think was supposed to be like a six-month-old sausage or hot dog. I don't know. It was nasty, but... That's actually the last time I think we see Miles eat anything <laughs> for the rest of the movie. That's fair. I mean, he doesn't really have time, but it's also a pain in the ass. True. 
but he obviously needed it enough in that moment that they felt the need to include it in the scene. But we flash back and forth with what's going on with Richter and what's happening between Miles getting chased down by Nix. Miles figures going back to his software company friend would help with maybe figuring out the tracking aspect of his phone to get it turned off but then finds out that he could have it set up in a way that it allows him to enable and disable the tracking as needed which he feels like will be helpful for later which as it turns out it is and that's when very helpful and that is when his boss shows up and starts berating him right before he totally tells his boss off in a way that I imagine is one of those scenes where a lot of people can relate because they just want to tell off their bosses for all the mistreatment they've received over time. And he thinks he's going to die by Miles' hand, but he doesn't. Nix takes care of that. And it was one of those moments where you're like, wow. The boss at first was a real asshole, and then he suddenly changed his tune when he was confronted with life or death situation. And so you're kind of like, okay, he's a big old coward. Good. Maybe he'll change his ways from this point forward. But no, they just say, eh, no, he served his purpose. It's time to move on. And so boss gets shot in the head, and Nix is like, hey, I'm here. I'm going to get you now. And then another wonderful gunfight ensues where. Miles's friend shoots right. him with a Nerf gun. Yes. Er, Miles is running away as he always does. And his friend Hadley, who had helped him with his phone, distracts Nix with a Nerf gun to the face and manages not to die. Yeah, Nix doesn't turn around and make sure that she shoots and kills him. She takes a few shots at him, misses. He stays down and out of the way and doesn't happen to have to go with, right? But I had to laugh at the fact that he manages to be the only one to shoot her fatally if it were a real gun. The nerve dart hits her right in the side of the dome. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, that would have connected in a bad way if it had been real. (laughs) So from there... We get Nick's chasing Miles out into the street where Miles steals a car, obviously at gunpoint, and Nick's grabs a motorbike. And it's a fairly decent chase with some just straight up awful CGI. Like, I feel like every other car has this look of fakeness to it. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's an epic little fun ride that ends with Nick's, like, on a wheelie up onto the top of Miles' car, and then Miles drives head on into somebody, sending them both flying. And we get this great shot of Miles coming out of the front end of the vehicle, not like through the windshield. He's already in the air, and you're just like, oh, this is going to hurt a lot <laughs> as he comes tumbling down to the ground. And this is where you see Miles' character. As a, I didn't want to be a part of this, so I'm going to continue to try and not participate in it because he has every opportunity in this moment to shoot Nix and just put a stop to this whole, this whole thing at the moment. 
like the immediate problem, but he doesn't. He gets up and he runs off and tries to figure out where to go next. And then at that point, I believe he calls Nova again just in time to see Richter show up and Nabber. Was that right? Yes, that's correct. I mean, this is where it kicks off the gotta save the ex girlfriend. Yeah. IMDb warned us about. Right, exactly. This is where we finally see a firm plot point that says Miles is going to have to deal with some aspect of this whole situation in terms of schism and its front runners. So he, at this point, devises a plan to try and save her while getting, I think, Nick's caught because he calls the police using the tracking, tries to get Nick's to find him by turning his tracking back on. And that way she'll show up as soon as the cops arrive, in which case they'll hopefully capture her and that'll sort things out from there. But she, again, Nick's shows up, as you expect. But this time it's with a chain gun, a friggin... A Gatling gun, yes. Gatling gun that is probably the size of Samara herself, okay? And then this two rival gangs... Miles runs into him accidentally. They're holding him at gunpoint because they're like, are you messing with me? Are you messing with me? Are you trying to? And they're thinking there's a conspiracy going on. And then they decide that they're both going to, they're both going to put miles in the ground. That's when Nick shows up with this ridiculous, ridiculously oversized gun and just starts mowing down everybody. And Miles gets a chance to run off while one of the gang members, we talked about this a little bit. It was absurd that out of all of the other people who were getting mowed down, this one gang member just waltzes through gunfire. He's not in the way of any of it. Well, and if I remember right, it's actually both rival or both heads of the rival gang survive for like most of the mowing down scene for then one to turn on the other finally and kill him where he runs off after Miles. Right. And I remember, right, doesn't he get shot in the dick? Yeah, that was Nix's thing that we find out later, is that she really enjoys shooting her targets in the crotch before, before putting them out of their misery, if she does even. I don't know. I just know that at the end, she spent some time doing that, and Miles was like, could you please stop it? Mix it up. Shoot other areas. Don't just shoot them in the dick. <laughs> but the point of one of those gang members not getting taken out right away was to also introduce us to a turning point in Miles' story where he experiences accidentally killing somebody for the first time. And Daniel plays that part pretty well in the term in terms of his, again, emotional reaction to the whole thing was just like, you could tell that he was shocked. You could tell that he was like, oh, no, I just did this. And even though it wasn't necessarily intentional to the extent of like the desire to kill, it obviously resulted that way. And so. Miles is like, oh, man, I guess I'm really in this now. I guess I got to deal with this situation to which we start to get more involved with the police show up. They don't arrest Nick's. They arrest Miles instead. They 
we learn more about the cops and some of their intentions that we kind of found earlier when they when Nova was trying to explain things to the police and they just didn't seem like they were all that concerned with things regarding Miles. They were more interested in Nick's. Anyway, they end up telling us this story about how DeGraves is actually Nick's dad and he is one of the main detectives in the city and they're going to use Miles to try and bait her out so that they can catch her and I'm guessing DeGraves is hoping to probably put her away but at least reconcile in the process who knows didn't really matter because more backstabbing suddenly occurs when his partner I think who was known as Stanton just blows him away real sad honestly because you were starting to understand what was going on with the cops involvement and then his screen time just ended very abruptly but it's because Stanton's working for Richter in the end so correct as we find out a little later in fact we find out pretty quickly after DeGraves is eliminated that he shows Miles a video from Richter that he has 30 minutes to kill Nix or else he'll kill Nova. And I thought that was interesting because the dialogue there is left in a way where Miles attempts to respond to Richter over the video, but Stanton points out that it is just a video, which means this had to be a very specifically timed event for it to be literally 30 minutes to take care of the of ending Nix or else because it's like how does richter know when that video is being played i'm guessing maybe stanton's throwing out a text message or something on the side hey i just showed the kid the video start the timer i don't know but it's i don't think it's a silly point on it through that much it's a silly point though it's like why include a time limit in a video if it's not going to be a live video because how do you know when to start that timer i'm going to be that guy i'm going to nitpick it that far yeah i know (laughs) stanton leaves after taking DeGraves' ridiculously large magnum gun. And Miles gets his phone back off of his body while learning more about the schism communities and the fact that his viewership has skyrocketed to the most they've ever seen. They've dubbed him Guns Akimbo. And now that I've mentioned that, I'll go ahead and add a little tidbit that I learned as well that I was like, why, why Guns Akimbo? I do not understand where this title came from. What they, at no point do they really explain it. They just refer to him as Guns Akimbo. And so according to the director, Jason Lee Howden, The title Guns Akimbo stems from a video game called Blood that he used to play back in the 90s. And the game has a power-up mode, which I have to imagine is similar to Doom and and the Berserk mode. But it's a power-up mode where you're running around with a single gun and then you get the power-up called Guns Akimbo, which gives you two guns for 30 seconds. And while it was not explained at any point, they just started to refer to him as Guns Akimbo with no further explanation than that. And that's where our title comes from, I guess. Right. And I think it's a reoccurring thing. So I want to say playing Call of Duty back in the day, there was a like a Kimbo perk or something, which meant you got to dual wield the same gun. 
apparently there's some research that I need to do here, though, to understand what all that's about, because this is actually the first time I've heard of Akimbo. Yes, we should have taken the time ahead of this to learn the etymology of the word Akimbo. Yeah, I could stand to to learn a little bit more about the meaning behind that word, especially since it actually seems like it is more than just something made up for this. And in fact, I think everybody would like to learn more. So I will task you with putting together a little thesis statement. Oh, those are long, aren't they? Yeah, that's how you get a PhD. So yeah, I'm not get on that. I'm not going to write a thesis about this. I'll put a little note up about it on the Fine. synopsis I, how about of the a episode. Three-page essay, nope. single space. Not happening. <laughs> I'll take a paragraph, at least five sentences long. Maybe I'll put it in the synopsis with sources. I need okay. sources. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all right. So after Miles learns that he's got to deal with this situation that he's the most viewed most popular player of schism ever he's like okay i gotta figure out i gotta figure out where nova's location is and go find richter because that's going to be the fastest way to get this done and so using his apparently shared knowledge of her account password he manages to do a little find my iphone trick and tracks down the approximate location of where nova's at to go take out richter and i think this is more or less where act three kind of begins yeah or at least is leaning up to correct we're heading into it at this point so he devises a plan to get into richter's hideout and figures the best way to do that is to explain as much as he can to nix before she tries to kill him and this is where we get a sudden interaction between Miles and Nix. Miles turns his cell phone back on, turns the tracking back on. Nix tracks him down. They have a quick, help me out. I want to take out Richter. Let's end schism. And she's like, how about nah? And lights him up. Probably puts four or five rounds in him. Well, he looks like he's dead. And it's like, okay, there's still a good... 20 some odd minutes left in this movie so we know it's not over <laughs> and they send out the cleanup crew the masses are upset that guns akimbo who they've been so excited about just suddenly is gone and they send out a team to to body bag miles and i guess they don't check pulses anymore they, they just bag him up and throw him in the back of a van nix is gone at this point so that's Miles's plan to get into Richter's hideout is to basically be a Trojan horse, and it works. It works. Yes, and when he shows up is when he, you know, murders his straight up first people, like straight up, like I'm just done fucking around and kills the two guys that were brought him in, and then he lets in Nix, and it's here that we get a flashback to how this aspect plays out. And it's yep. also probably one of the first things that I would have changed had I written it. I don't sure. think the flashback is needed. Like Nick showing up there, I'm already just, it's, I've seen enough movies, played enough games. I know that they, it was a ploy all along. They got together beforehand, came up with the plan, and that's how they show up here together. I don't need the little hijinks of putting the, 
bulletproof vest on and such. Especially since it leads to questions of, okay, he turned on his tracking for Nick's to find him. Why did the drones not find him at the same time? Yeah, that's a good point. We don't really see how Nix is able to find him without the rest of them being able to find him too. She just kind of shows up. They have their whole interaction of putting on the vest. Like you said, they were silly about it in a lot of ways. And once it was all sorted out and they flash forward to what ended up actually happening, I would agree with you that it wasn't fully necessary. It probably could have been omitted and we still would have been fine with the information. Like we would have been able to discern that they planned some stuff out before they decided to infiltrate the hideout. And that should have been fine. Right. But at least how I would have done it. Yeah, I agree with that. I do. And so now we're inside of Richter's hideout. Miles is far more comfortable with taking people out now because he blows away a couple of the goons that are right there off the vehicle as they're parked inside the building now and Nix is there finds her way in decides to to help finish this off because she learned that her dad died the graves and knows that schism needs to come down too so we're in there they're going through mowing people down. Richter starts to panic, gets ready to run. Kind of felt a little bit like that moment in that episode of Rick and Morty, Pickle Rick, where the guy in the compound where Pickle Rick is taking everybody out, just trying to escape, goes, I need a helicopter for me and the money. And that's it. And then he takes out the rest of his own goons. That's what this kind of felt like here, because Richter's like, I need a helicopter with a, enough seats for two. And he takes Nova. And then he expects that literally all the rest of his goons are going to die. And it's because he basically set him up for failure. Right. And he's not wrong. He's not. But he also made it so that that's the way it goes down. <laughs> and from here, Miles and Nick's take out the majority of the henchmen they end up having to fight the two toughest dane and effie which dane was like this viking dude effie was who actually reminded me a lot of domino from deadpool just a fun character nix and effie actually have a moment where they're talking about each other's guns and admiring them and it's a fun little moment before they get to the nitty-gritty of things and so miles and effie end up being the ones to go head-to-head -head while nix and dane deal with their deal with their fight and that fight was brutal i would say the fight between effie and miles was pretty mild up until the end of the fight when she's standing on his gun hands that looked like it hurt just so bad after everything that's been done to him yeah i imagine it's just gonna reopen the wounds that have started to Ugh. heal the scabs Ugh. Ugh. yeah no it's hard to think about sorry for making you all think about it too but he manages to take out effie and it was a quick and easy one on the other hand nicks and dane are just beating each other up with tools from Home Depot. And it is a rough fight. 
great music in the background. They throw in they throw in Super Freak and one other track that I'm actually forgetting at the moment, but it was like a ti- Hammer Time, Hammer Time and Super Freak, I think were the two. And it was What's it? Yeah. Or at least Dane mentioned like does a little bit about okay. Hammer Time. Okay. Yes. Dane does wield a hammer and say hammer time. Stop. Hammer time. Yes, that did happen. I don't think they played hammer time though, but there was another song and it's a song that either samples Super Freak or Super Freak samples it. Either way, great, great music that went along with this fight. And when they wrap it up, she also shoots Dane in the in the balls, too. And it is actually no, she hits him in the hammer with it. And anyways, not going to linger on that one because that's just painful for everybody, too. But she manages to take out Dane along with Miles, actually, because Miles shows up and shoots a gas tank and everything explodes. But they live specifically Nixon, Miles before they head back upstairs and find out that they're going to be dealing with a whole slew of henchmen to which I'm just going to rip this bandaid off quickly. Nix realizes there's some C4 nearby, straps it to herself, and decides to put an end to all of this by sacrificing herself. So she runs in, trying to shoot everybody down, succeeds in doing so, but at the end of the run, of course, the C4 goes off and takes out everybody except for miles at which point miles realizes that he has to try and track down where richter is taking nova and i'll just sum up the end here the scenes that follow are richter making his way up to the roof taking out the mole cop that was helping him out earlier and killed the graves And then Nova very smartly uses a pen that she found somewhere. I actually don't remember her picking it up, but hey, thankfully she had it and marks the wall all the way up to the roof, which eventually gives Miles a lead on where to go. They get to the rooftop. It begins the fight between Richter and Miles. I was also keeping track at this point along with the fact that the movie did it for us that the bullet count that miles had from beginning to the end of the movie here obviously led him down to having one bullet left and i thought it was going to be tropey and it was going to be like of course the last bullet he has is the bullet that takes out the bad guy but no they very much pull a comedic move and he shoots and completely misses hits the wall it does nothing. The bullet's gone. Richter pulls out the big magnum that he took off of Stanton that was once to Graves. And it's this big long barreled magnum revolver and starts pumping miles full of bullets. And I've seen a massive gun that size do the damage it does. And I'm sorry, but small frame, not super bulky dude is not going to survive that more than like once i really don't think so maybe but i don't know the one through the side of his neck that's going to be a bit much just oh yeah and yeah so miles takes a lot of bullets 
but manages to adrenaline through it, beats the snot out of Richter with his gun hands before taking him over to the edge of the roof and ultimately throwing him off to his death. So Richter's gone, but not before he manages to tell Miles that Schism spread worldwide and has become a global fan- franchise, which kind of gives that illusion that there's going to be more of it and possibly even a continuation of this movie as a potential franchise kind of thing which from what i can tell i'm just gonna jump in and say i have not seen any indication that there is going to be any sequels to this movie but it wasn't for their lack of using an ending that specifically made us feel like there could be a sequel and so miles is bleeding out on the roof nova reacts accordingly i feel like by being freaked out and terrified of yeah. miles as well as the whole situation which as you do blame where he just beat the shit out of a guy and then threw him off the edge of a building yeah can't blame her at all not even a little bit she's backing away all freaked out and miles is just bleeding out on the roof he is experiencing massive blood loss to the point of where it really feels impossible that he could have even remotely survived. And then we flash forward and we hear a narration from miles about how the worst day of his life was over, but he learns that Nova finished her comic book and that the comic book was written with him as the hero character in mind, the guns akimbo. And then it actually shows Miles alive, sitting at the wheel of his car with these gnarly scars all over his hands as he tells us that Nova is at least happy and alive and... He is now setting out to commit himself to taking out the entire criminal organization behind Schism, which is why I was like, hmm, I really feel like they led into this with an ending that they probably had more than one of and went, this could turn into a franchise. We should probably go with the ending that allows Miles to actually live. And I don't know how I really felt about that. I... (sighs) You what, sir? This is an area that I would have changed personally. I think that him being alive after the fact is, again, a cop out for the sake of a franchise. I think that the ending that they had given us was satisfying if he had actually died as opposed to narrated further. It would have been more interesting if, I don't know, it would have been more interesting to get it from a different perspective, I guess. Yeah, well, and for me, yeah, I would have done it where we see him bleed out and we go into the narrator, but I would have had the voice ship like through the narration to Nova as she's finishing telling the story and we get like a glimpse of her comic book and he's found her superhero and all that. And I think that would have been more satisfying. It's supposed it as over the top and ridiculous as it is. It does try to position itself as not what you expect and going to avoid tropes like they on the nose talk about how 
she's not going to run into his arms and they're going to make out and realize they're madly in love kind of deal. No, yeah, that, not even a little bit. So I would have continued that. Yeah, he dies and Schism is still out there. and They could have had another person taken up if they really wanted to make another. But this story is complete and she has her superhero, Guns Akimbo, who took down Schism in this local area. Yeah, I agree. That would have been a far more satisfying ending, in my opinion, because not only does it complete the story full circle, Miles got out there, he did what he needed to do. He saved his ex-girlfriend, even though there was no apparent bad blood there. The act of saving her from the schism kidnappers and taking out Richter was really a full circle moment. And the fact that they felt it was necessary to write in this, somehow he survives, which I'm sorry, what paramedics showed up to deal with that? And then he got to walk away from it. Correct. Right. Don't know how that works. But again, I felt like it was kind of a cop out to the idea that there would be sequels that involved him going to the other HQs and then we'd get kind of a John Wick-esque style franchise of point to point to point taking out the different leaders of the different schism groups and it just lost me in that last couple of minutes because it felt forced and outside of that though I did enjoy the movie for what it was it definitely was a fun action-packed weird ass movie with an excellent soundtrack i would fully agree with that there were a couple of remixed songs from a group called three teeth they did ballroom blitz and you spin me round and their versions were actually just mad fun to listen to yeah and i mean the whole movie was an outstanding entertaining ride it's fun watching daniel radcliffe like watching this watching him in swiss army man watching him in miracle workers is just he's enjoyable and just you can see how much he loves doing what he does yeah he's definitely a treat definitely so i can't think of anything else that i'd really necessarily change i would just say that if you haven't seen it and you're looking for a little bit of a bloodbath of an action light comedy flick i would say give gun guns akimbo a try it's available on prime video and i'm glad that i watched it yeah i regret nothing about it (laughs) and we're really looking forward to his upcoming feature weird the weird al yankovic story i will definitely be going over that one because i'm sure it's just going to be a really fun movie to watch to begin with and more Daniel Radcliffe. Right. More Daniel Radcliffe is always a good thing. And really this, I mean, weird is just going to be outlandish and amazing. I mean, it's essentially Dewey Cox, but about weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. Which is going to be awesome. All right. Well, I think that about wraps up this episode of we're too literary. Wouldn't you say? I think I'd agree with that. I don't have anything else I would add. I mean, I was pretty happy with a lot of the story, and I like to think I would have written a lot of it the same way. Yeah, just a few minor changes to keep a full circle story good. 
you know correct just trimming some stuff that i didn't think added to it and just would have had a better flow yeah yeah well thank you so much for joining us this week here at we're too literary i've been your host kenny and i've been jonathan if you're listening to us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify wherever it may be be sure to hit that follower subscribe button so you'll know when the next episode drops and you can join us on this wonderful journey of discussing these fun movies or exceptional masterpieces we haven't done one of those yet have we now as far as i know damn yeah might we'll be fight for us to say we do something different make it better we probably make it worse <laughs> but who knows yeah true but be sure to hit that button so you know when we drop our next episodes and please leave us a review add some feedback for us let us know what you're thinking we'd love to hear what we could be improving on or what uh, you would like to hear from us next as far as movie or show or book or even video game we'd love to hear from you so please hit us up with whatever you got we would enjoy that and we should have our website up and running either by now or in the next couple of days, correct? Yeah, our email address should be feedback at we're2literary.com. So drop us a line and let us know what what you liked, what you didn't like, what you want to hear next. That's what we'd love to hear from you. So thanks again for joining us and we'll catch you next week. Looking forward to having you with us again. <laughs>